What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Picking Corners, brought to you by Party Can as a part of the Box Lacrosse channel. We are pumped to be here with you today and pumped to have Party Can on board. If you haven't done any Party Can research, Cam's been doing a whole lot of Party Can research um, with uh, over there with the Portagers. So Party Can, we, we appreciate you. Um, we appreciate your support and what you do for us and, and keeping the boys hydrated in more way than water um, and giving the guys a good time. The content I've been seeing around uh, Party Can and, and the player of the game and everything has been phenomenal handing out these giant Party Cans. So it's a really cool product with really awesome support and we appreciate them supporting the podcast and buying the lacrosse community. So shout out Party Can. Thank you for your sponsorship, but we're pumped to be back with you today. Uh, we got Cami Mack over here, myself, Tucker LaBelle and Matt Beers of the Vancouver Warriors. The, Matt, Matt's got a great story. We're going to get into it. He's a firefighter. He's a lacrosse player. He's back in his native community and giving back to his community in more way than one. So we'll get into that, Matt. But I guess first and foremost, any just initial words for the, the podcast listeners who are turning their volume up right now to hear our voices? No, uh, for me, this is exciting. I don't get to do a lot of these. So uh, yeah, I'll just hopefully we're out live. I'll try and watch what I say and we'll have some fun. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Cam, take it away, dude. What's up? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's been kind of an, an interesting flow, you know, just we got back from San Diego, obviously, there was a lot of momentum. And then we, you know, I feel like we just never slowed down, right? Like we we took on this podcast, it's grown tremendously. I mean, have to thank everyone for the support so far. Um, and we want to keep being able to to give a platform to represent, you know, all the good that's that's happening, you know, off the floor, too, right? And, and that's a lot of where our conversations happen. But you know, we've been really busy. I know, Tucker, you've got a million things going on. We're in the heart of our senior A season right now. I just booked my flight to Denver for the, the championship weekend. So, uh, you know, pretty excited for that. And you and the squad are coming this Saturday to Chicago to sure. play in our home our home uh, arena. So that'll be pretty fun as well. You guys going to have enough players or are we going to have to supplement or what's going uh, on? We'll have enough players. I won't cross check Garrett in the head this time. Um, <laughs> It'll be fun. We're going to play some lacrosse. And I actually, this the fun fact of, you know, I think, I, I don't think we touch, touch on the context of our friendship um, enough on here, but like you and I, we didn't know each other prior to this podcast. And obviously now, because we communicate all the time, like we're really good friends and that's, yeah. that's the cool thing about it, but we've also never played against each other, like right. while knowing each other. Right. So it will be the fun part. Like Garrett and I played against each other and within 10 minutes, I'd cross check Garrett in the face. So yeah, that's how that one went. I won't do the same thing. I promise. But that's why this is going to be so much fun. Like it's a bit of a reunion for us. And then also you guys have an awesome venue that I've never played in before. Um, never played a game in Chicago before period. So that's going to be a fun thing. Um, nice, easy drive down the, the highway to Chicago. So that'll be enjoyable. But yeah, man, I, I think that's the cool storyline for me of the, the week is getting to play each other and um, getting to see you guys and, and be on the same floor and opposite teams. And, you know, maybe I'll check Garrett somewhere, you know, below the, the rib cage. <laughs> Not too low. No, super, super excited. We had a game in Omaha Saturday. Um, we were really, really low numbers. I don't think I've played a box game with that low of numbers. I don't it's think gotta be long. a decent drive for you guys too. I mean, all the way across it's, Iowa, right? It's it's five hours. It was five hours. That's not terrible, but... It wasn't terrible there. It was harder on the way back. And my girlfriend, Savannah, who's back here quietly listening, and Miller, the dog, um, they were along for the ride, keeping me um, aware of the road, I guess I should say. So that, that <laughs> made the drive a little bit easier. It always does. But, yeah, tell us a little bit about your uh, your doubleheader this this past weekend and your body's feeling it now, huh? Yeah, man. Um, 
it's tough because I didn't I didn't discover and I, I've, I've said this a few times, but for all the new listeners that we get all the time, I didn't discover box lacrosse until last year at age 26. Right. Like being from the U.S., predominantly played field um, and really enjoyed lacrosse. But I don't think field was ever really my game. Uh, it's just obviously a, a different environment. The the ball moves differently. Uh, the 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 movement of the offense is a lot different. And I, you know, I definitely had a, a higher IQ, um, you know, than your average player. And that's the way I was able to get on the field, right? I wasn't a huge goal scorer, um, but I was able to to find the right players and get them open. And, and that's how I helped my team. Whereas, you know, being a bigger guy and, and Tucker, you know, you can definitely attest to this. Playing box is definitely more my game, right? Being able to throw my body around, set hard picks, be really physical, love that aspect of it. But I don't love, you know, the fact that I get home on Sunday after playing my second game of the weekend and like my legs are like jello and I I don't want to leave my bed, but I still got to go grocery shopping and do laundry and be an adult. So um, it's definitely been a lot of like, you know, balancing all of that. Um, and uh, it also didn't help that we had a bunch of stuff going on in the beginning of the season, right? Like we were in San Diego, so I missed games for that, um, you know, was coaching club lacrosse. So like some of these guys are in midseason form right now and I'm still just getting going. You know, I'm winded after we do salmon belly, you know, and in warm ups and like all that stuff. So uh, but it's it's been a good experience. Um, you know, honestly, Matt, I, I'd, I'd love to kind of hear from you about now that you're, you know, more veteran player, what does that recovery process look like for you, you know, especially during the season? And then even, you know, touch on a, the off season as well. What are you doing to kind of maintain, um, you know, your, your physical uh, presence, I guess. Uh, for me, I, uh, I've really found a love for the ice bath. Um, that's something that I know a lot of people have used for a long time, but if I'm ever going to play two games in a day, or if we're going to play back to backs, it's a must like dipping in there just right after the workout, getting rid of all those lactic acids. And then just for my own personal fitness regime, it's been doing a bit more stretching, more yoga based, um, you know, less heavy lifting, more just pliability and, you know, being, you know, stretching, but being springy, like making sure that you're balancing kind of the things you're doing that will actually apply to the game. Cause I know I, I had a buddy, Chris Adority, he came into his first camp one year and he played at Rutgers and, he was huge. He was strong. And then he's like, I don't need to be that strong in box. Like you, your feet need to be there. Your IQ needs to be there. You know, we're all pretty much strong enough, but you got to be quick. You got to be quick to recover. Um, you know, I've tailored my, my fitness around what I'm doing in box across. So it's pretty much all just for short bursts um, and making sure you can withstand the season. And like you said, all the impact you take, you got to be uh, pliable and you got to be, uh, you know, definitely strong enough to, to get through that. Yeah, do things kind of, you know, because I, I assume, you know, right after the season is probably like a breath of fresh air. You're like, all right, I have some time to like relax, be with the family a little bit, do something that's, you know, not look lacrosse related. Obviously, you're still working, right? But um, do things, you know, start to ramp up here soon now that we're getting to the beginning of the season? I So my my uh, my summers have been funny. Like a lot of people up in, in D.C. and in Ontario, they'll play – summer lacrosse so like senior a you guys talked about having a senior a league uh we have that as well and it's pretty big deal in, in bc and ontario they compete for the man cup and i played senior a for a long time and then the past couple of years i'm like you know what i'm a bit older i didn't play over COVID. i was just going to take a step back and uh 
and use my summers for recovery, for fitness, to build up strength. And then I started playing summer lacrosse again, but I started playing senior B, which is a, a tier below because I have a family. I didn't want the commitment. So I'm probably playing more lacrosse in the summer now than I have been in the last couple of years, because like I alluded to when we were talking uh, before the show here, I played in the world police fire games. So we were practicing at least once a week for that. I just finished playing six games in three days for field lacrosse in Winnipeg. I am in a senior B league and the president's cup is coming up at the end of August. And if Langley senior a makes the man cup, I'll go hopefully help them play in the man cup. So I started the summer thinking I was going to play one league. I've now been a part of one full, one full team and two potential tournaments. So there is a big balance between trying to be healthy, but also I'm very fortunate. I get to my cardio is playing the cross, which I love. So I get to push myself and play box across pretty much every second or third day. And then I get to keep my stick in my hand. So my skills are staying sharp. So for me, a big part of my, my fitness right now is some light lifting and stretching. That's kind of what all my off days are my recovery days. So my, my whole summer has been a little bit different than it normally would have been, but it's been filled up with a lot of lacrosse, which I love, but just making sure the body's uh, reacting properly to that while I'm playing. Yeah. You you, sorry. Go ahead, Tucker. You got I was going to say like, how do you like too with, with being a firefighter, like, I'm sure there's days where you wake up and, and you're sore after a game or something. And you're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to power through this. And I think, I mean, I'd imagine a lot of the physical fitness from lacrosse will carry into being a firefighter. And then a lot of the physical fitness from being a firefighter will carry into lacrosse. But what's the, what's the key for people who are working, you know, really active lifestyle jobs. Like I know we have a paramedic on our team and he's talked about it, but for you, what's, what's the key in transitioning from one thing to the other and kind of keeping the body going there. Um, you're, you're totally right. Like, so the fitness I have through lacrosse really translate to like the fires we go into or some of the, the heavier jobs where we have to be on all the time. And, you know, our cardio is there, our, our lifting abilities there. So I do think they both actually really do relate. I've been in fires when I've been at my best shape for lacrosse. And there's times where you get into a fire and you're working so hard and all you want to do is just rip off your regulator and get a big breath of fresh air. Cause you, you don't feel like you're getting enough oxygen through the bottle. But when I've been at my best fitness for sports, I found that in those fires, I recover so quickly and mm -hmm. I'm able to come back down to a clear headspace. So I'm able to make, you know, better decisions in, you know, the heat of adversity and like in the fire when you're really having to think on your feet and then having the ability to recover quickly after a hard job. So I do think those work really well hand in hand. And then it just gives you that whole you know, camaraderie thing that that team aspect of being in, you know, the fire halls, it's pretty much, you know, I'm never going to get out of that atmosphere that I love so much is that locker room. So I don't really think there's a big, uh, a big separation from the two. I, I from now on, like, I kind of think they go hand in hand for the rest of my career. That's I just awesome. have to make sure my fitness is going to be good when I'm done playing. That's where I'll struggle. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. That's amazing. It really is. Speaking of, you know, like, summer lacrosse you know you, you kind of breezed over it a little bit but let's talk about the the world police fire games i mean that seems like a really cool opportunity something special to be part of and and this is a field lacrosse event correct so talk to me a little bit about you know what you guys put together 
you know, your experience there and then how that kind of translates between, you know, playing box and then being on the field as well. Um, so we, uh, we decided to go, a couple guys got together, some really great organizers um, and a good friend of mine, Steve Hay, decided that they were going to put a team in and they needed commitment. And like I said, we only have just over 320 members. We were able to have 25 people commit pretty much right away. And by us committing, we had to have people working back home the days that we were gone. So we agree that we're going to go somewhere and do something and we need to pay those days back down the road. So it was a lot of logistics, a lot of figuring out that we were going to be able to go. And then we were able to put a team together. So we're all box players. There's only one guy that went to school for field in the last five years, a couple guys that were a bit older. So we were predominantly box across players that were learning the field game. Some of us for the first time. And we tried to become field players. We tried to slow it down, not drive big sticks, learn how to play field across. And after two exhibition games, we got one win and one tie against teams that were kind of thrown together. So we were getting a little bit nervous that what we were trying to do was going to work on a bigger scale. Finally, in the last exhibition game, in the last half of the last exhibition game, we just started to play faster. We started to play more aggressive. We started to play box across on a field, essentially. And I think that's where we found our success. We were able to go to the police fire games and play physical. We were able to play fast. We were able to play aggressive. And I think that's what caught a few teams off guard because we were all very skilled with our sticks. We were all very you know, skilled moving the ball before in transition. And I think for some of the teams, they weren't ready for that kind of physicality and that kind of speed. So I think that's ultimately how we had success going there. And even a couple of times guys were getting penalties and they were confused. Like we didn't know all the rules, but it was a pretty much a sink or swim kind of thing because we learned fast. It's cool. You, you guys ended up winning the whole thing though, right? Yeah, we did. We beat uh, NYPD, who's a really good team. Uh, getting to talk to most of the guys after the games and stuff. They all played Div 2 or Div 3 for the most part. And they got about 90, 90 players in the team. And they brought their – sounds like they brought, you know, their better team and uh, competed. So it was, a, it was a really fun tournament. That's awesome. I'm a, I'm a little biased. My uh, mom's whole side of the family's from Long Island. So I've got a couple you – know, my grandpa was NYPD and his father was NYPD, but – uh, you know, it's good to hear that you're, you're giving them a run and, and that you guys were able to to seal the deal there. So, I mean, it, it's got to be a cool experience coming together over, you know, a game that everyone loves, but then also being able to share, uh, you know, that that work background, right, that you guys are are giving back to your community, you know, serving, whether it's police or fire, and then being able to have that camaraderie. I'm sure that's a really cool experience. Yeah. I mean, we had the Olympics here in 2010, and there was, you know, all these athlete villages from different countries all over the city. And that's what they had, I guess. So after the games, there was an athlete village and we went and we were able to network and talk to these people and all the guys from NYPD, you know, after a battle of a game, things got pretty heated. It was so cool just to have a beer with them and just chat. And like you said, connect on a, a different level than sports. You know, we bonded over that. But then there was the whole first responder aspect, too, which was yeah. pretty incredible. That's cool. Um, Tucker, I, I want to, you know, speaking of field lacrosse, kind of shift to your favorite league, the PLL. Um, they they, <laughs> they just recently uh, had their their throwback jersey weekend. Uh, you know, how are we feeling about that? Are you, are you currently staying up to date with the PLL? It doesn't look like it. Give me your thoughts. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, wise guy. Um, 
I, you know, I think I'll openly say this. I don't really follow the PLL, nor do I. It's not that I like dislike it. I just, I don't have a dog in the fight basically. And for me, it's been really hard not having cities associated with teams for a long time. That for me has been kind of strange. And then, you know, people always refer to the PLL being the first tour based professional lacrosse and it's not LXM pro tour run by adrenaline a long time ago was the first tour based model. Cause they'd go city to city, play the same teams every weekend kind of thing. And so for me, like that was hard to follow early on. And I'm, you know, I just turned 24. So that was when I was really young. They had LXM. And now at the PLL, it's the same thing. It's been hard for me to follow. So I try to keep up to date with it. And I, especially through social media, they do the biggest thing I'll give them. They do an incredible job on the media side. And I'll sit here sometimes in the office and watch highlights or vlogs or whatever they got going on just to try to understand what's going on. And they do a good job with the short recap. So I have kept up to date with that. But the thing that I brought up pre-show that I think is probably the most interesting to me, and this is dumb, but it's the jerseys, the throwback jerseys. There's a little bit of controversy going on around um, on Twitter right now. I noticed that I've been catching a little bit of that. They released these kind of like heritage throwback jerseys to play kind of as homage to where they came from or their roots or whatever it may be. And obviously if we're technically talking about the longest running team in the PLL, it's the cannons because right. they were formerly the Boston cannons are the only MLL team that was adopted into the PLL. You know, we've heard that that could be happening again, but they released these jerseys saying that they're paying homage to the city and to like the history and everything like that. And they really didn't. And like, that's what people are upset about on Twitter right now is that if they claim that they're going to release something to pay homage and history to the city of Boston, they could have done a lot more. So but at the end of the day, I think they're the coolest PLL jerseys that I've seen yet. Yeah, they look they look less like a strange NASCAR jersey and more like a lacrosse jersey, so I can appreciate that. But again, I don't know. I Outside of college field lacrosse, I really just try to stay up to date with box, and so that's why it's harder for me. But the jerseys, man, they're kind of sick. The price point, not so sick. They're, they're 165 to buy a jersey. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? I didn't even look at the price. They release them in some Dick Sporting Goods. So if you walk into a Dick Sporting Goods, you actually have the opportunity to buy a professional lacrosse jersey, which that I think alone cool. speaks to the, you know, kind of entrance of the game into modern society. Because like someone might walk into a Dick Sporting Goods somewhere you have no idea about and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, lacrosse, I saw a jersey here. And you're like, okay, that might be the nugget that gets them hooked to the game that then makes them want to become a lacrosse fan. Like you don't know what it's going to take. So for that reason, that's why I brought up the jerseys, the tie-in, the accessibility, not the price point. We can slash that down, um, but cool. Yeah, maybe I'll walk into a Dick's in the middle of nowhere and find a lacrosse jersey. That's kind of exciting. Well, I mean, and to your point, like, you know, I, I coach in the city, right? So some we we always run out of balls. It's always an issue. Um, and there's a Dick's that's five minutes down the road. I can almost see it from here. Um, and they don't carry any lacrosse stuff. So I actually have to go to the one on the North side, 20, 25 minutes in traffic. If I want to grab anything lacrosse. And I think that's a little ridiculous because they're in the same city. They're, I mean, less than four miles away from each other, but you know, one of them carries lacrosse and one doesn't, and that doesn't really make sense to me. Um, so it's cool to see the PLL trying to, you know, make it a commonplace thing to, to have lacrosse, you know, be all over the country, not just in those traditional hotbeds or in places where you would expect it to come from. I mean, they did their, their promo kind of release thing in, in Colorado, I think near Denver. So, you know, that makes sense. It's obviously a big lacrosse community there, but 
nonetheless, I, I think the the things that they're trying and and some of the initiatives that they have in place are good for the sport and the growth of the game. And, and you know, that's what we're here for, too. So I'll uh, I'll keep you up to date on what's going on with the PLL other than just the jerseys. Um, cool. But I don't know. I mean, in terms of just the landscape of what's kind of happening this summer, I, I, I kind of just want to jump right in, Matt, with. You know, a lot we, we've we've kind of talked about it on previous podcasts because it's you know been happening obviously over the last couple months. But you're going to Vancouver, right? That's uh that's definitely a huge deal for you. I've I've seen a lot of you know support and just um you know thankfulness on on social media about that move, and it seems like you're you're really happy about that. Um, you know, let's kind of talk about some of the moves that are happening and and what you think is going to be building there. So, what was it like when you first found out that you were going to be you know, going from the rush back to Vancouver? Um, you know, for me, I uh, I was away when free agency first opened. So I politely asked the teams, like I had to sort some stuff out with my employer, with my family. I kind of asked for a bit of time to to get there. And about August 3rd, I started to, you know, I was home. I started to go over them with my wife and my family. And, and, and for me, like, it was a hard decision because, the reason I left Vancouver was no longer there. Um, you know, the past management have moved on and someone I have a lot of respect for, Kurt Miloski. Um, I played for him a few times in the past. You know, I was able to talk to him and just hear why he he did a similar difficult move coming from Calgary to Vancouver. And, you know, I, I think our our views of of what lacrosse in BC could be and should be kind of aligned. Um, you know, he's someone with a lot of passion. He's someone with a, a vision that, that I can really get behind and, and I respect him a whole heck of a lot, you know, but there was still the other teams. There was Saskatchewan who gave me a chance when, you know, I had to leave the first time, you know, someone like San Diego, they have a lot of really good players, um, you know, a great ownership and management and coaching. Like there's so many good options now in the NLL that it's not just like the past where it's one or the other, or you're kind of stuck in a position you don't like, like there was a lot of tough decisions to make for me. But once I finally knew that it was going to be Vancouver, I, I think there's a lot of joy and a lot of pride that comes with playing in your own city. And like I said, and you guys sound like you coach as well. I mean, it's such a good feeling to give back the sport we love and to grow the game with someone that doesn't know it, um, you know, is maybe trying it for the first time or maybe someone that's in love with it and you can be a role model. So, so to get to do that, to have the ability to continue to build what I feel like we started you know, a few years ago is the momentum that people can get behind with the pro sport and, you know, maybe trying it for the first time or, or just getting to that next level. Um, I think it's something I feel very passionate about. I've always loved coaching. So that kind of, you know, coming back to a team that's now going to be moving towards a, a more successful franchise, as well as getting to build this at a grassroots level, there was just, there was no other, other option that, that fit my family right now. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It, really I mean, it's yeah, that's it's got to be, you know, definitely a, a dream come true. And um, you know, Tucker, I think I'll I'll kind of let you ask more questions about Vancouver and kind of what they're building there. But we haven't had anyone from the rush on, um, so you know, I I'd like to kind of talk about your experience with them and and that program. You know, what was it like, um, just being in that atmosphere? I know that you know, obviously, people are talking about. Vancouver making a lot of moves right now, but I know that the rushes, you know, definitely take pride in 
and their standing and, and, you know, what they're, they're doing on the, the field as well as especially off the field. Um, and they're kind of, they're, you know, definitely changing some things too. So uh, what was it like, you know, spending some time in, in, uh, in that kind of environment? I have nothing but good things to say. Like I went there because, you know, over COVID like domestic travel and, you know, I knew a lot of the guys there, it was a really good fit for me and my family. And they treated me like I was family. Like they did such a good job of that. Um, you know, just that atmosphere they bring around uh, the team is is very positive for everyone involved. And Jimmy Quinlan was one of the best players coaches I've ever played for. So, you know, my time there was fantastic. Uh, a lot of guys I played on the Mental Cup 2010 team were there when I was there. Um, so it was such a such a great experience to meet these people that I normally wouldn't have got a chance to meet playing there the last two years. So it was really cool for me and my family to get to do that. And then they're moving on They're They're, you know, they saw a couple of veterans leave and, and that's okay because in this business, you know, they have to make room for the new up and coming talent. So they decided to go a different direction. I think uh, they weren't as as aggressive to sign a few of the, uh, the free agents, but I think that's because they really believe in the talent they have. And, and there's some guys there like Boudreaux and Barnable, Bobby Kidd, who are going to be absolute studs in this league for years to come. So I got a chance to play with those guys. I got a chance to kind of pass on some of my knowledge and information to try and get them up to speed a little bit quicker and to just kind of pay it forward the same way older guys did for me. So, you know, I, I see what they're building there and I think they're going to have a lot of success moving forward. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's really cool, you know, getting to talk to to people from all over the league because you get a little bit of insight into you know, what makes each team special, what's different, what drives them, right? So it's it's awesome getting to do this because we get to hear all the inner workings of of the NLL, right? And, you know, somewhat PLO, but, uh, yeah. you know, something that that's really new to me. And, uh, yeah, it's been a cool experience. Tucker, I, you know, I'd like to pass it on to you and, and kind of let you go out of here. Yeah, I mean, I guess, some like, my question, um, and I, it's probably one that will have a lot of answers, but, um, you know, you entered the league, like we talked about this kind of a little bit pre-show too. You, you were drafted in 2009, you began in 2010, you've been in the league now for, what is this, 13 seasons? Um, going yeah, up. minus COVID, and then I took a year off for probation to the fire department, so. Right, so that's a lot of time, kind of, as far as the league goes. I mean, the league, even in the last four years, from an outside perspective, the league has done crazy different things. Um, and like, I guess I, I look at this, like I started playing box when I was maybe 13 or so 14, somewhere in there and started watching the NLL kind of in the era, um, I guess where you were kind of coming up in that, what, what have you seen change in the league from, from then to now, from a player perspective, because we can only see so much from a TV or from a social media platform, but what has it been like actually on the ground and on the floor, as far as the game goes from then to now? All right, so people can agree with this or not, but I always think that the defense shapes the way the league is played. So from a strictly like X's and O's perspective, when I first started, everything was north-south. So the ball would start in the, the shooter stick or the high spot. The low guy would go up and pick. There would be a two-man game on ball. And if that didn't work, they would swing the ball over and, and start again. So it was a lot of north-south. So what happened was, is your Buffaloes, your Calgary's, your Toronto's started playing a pressure defense where they said, you know what, we're not going to let the person sit up top and wait for the pick. We're going to flush them down the sideboards. We're going to put them on their toes 
and we're going to dictate where we want these shots to come from. So as that started to happen, Buffalo, Toronto, Calgary won championships. Like we beat Toronto in 2010 because we were able to break that press. But the minute they they got good at it, Calgary won in 09, Toronto won in 11, and Buffalo, you know, accordingly, and, and a few guys had something to do with it where they kind of brought it team to team. And the defenses changed the way the offenses ran. So now instead of starting the ball up top, because of that defense, teams would have to throw the ball low and carry low to high. And now they had to flatten out the defenses to east-west pick and rolls. So that's where you saw some players like Garrett Billings, um, some guys that were waiting for, you know, stuff to come to them. They now had to move and it kind of changed the way, you know, you looked at an offensive player. Now you have to be athletic enough to get away from those defenders. You have to be able to maybe make a guy miss with a move or, or break them down where they can't just come at you freely. You have to put them on their heels a little bit. So I find that, you know, offenses had to adapt defenses had to adapt to get a little more athletic and quicker. And now everything was coming at you East West instead of North South. And then a lot of times at East West, instead of you being paying attention to what's happening on ball, they would run something on ball, but at the same time run something off ball. So you couldn't just come in and help on ball. You had to be worried about the off ball pick and roll at the same time. And teams became very structured, especially in the West. It was structured plays, uh, multiple plays that resemble the same thing. And out of that, there would be different options based off what play you're running. So it was really hard to read and predict. Um, so I think the game changed a lot in that, you know, probably six years ago. And then what you're seeing now is a lot of teams are actually getting away from the pressure because offensive players got so good with handling it. And they found out soft spots, ways to beat it, clearing out the person underneath that's trying to anchor throwing the ball behind the net, dunking. So many things have have changed from the offensive perspective because of the defense. Defenses are going back more to -to man-to-man. Look at Buffalo who just won. They pack it in around Vince. I mean, you have to have a good goalie, but if you can basically get in shooting lanes, keep them to outside shots and keep them away from the middle, your goalie can square up and take those shots and take the angle away. So I think it's going to go pack a little bit more to that, but in the meantime, you have all these Americans are coming in, like a guy like Jack Hanna, who can put a guy on skates, which is, you know, now you have the Americans that are almost catching up in the box world, like Schreiber and Casey Powell. And there's always been a couple, but you're seeing more and more guys like Bertrand and Hanna come into the box league. And now they're bringing their dynamic offense into the box style. So it's just giving you a lot more areas to be concerned about as a defenseman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's adapt, sink, or swim. Like you, you pretty much have to kind of change with the times and change your game if you want to have longevity. So I think that's kind of where we're at right now. That's cool. No, I, I totally see that. Jack, Jack Hanna and I um, kind of same region growing up. So I played against him in a bunch of tournaments and stuff. And his senior team, he he'd always pull out all the stops in these tournaments to mess with guys. So I and now seeing it transition, and I I can totally see the play style, like you're saying. How it, how it changes up and he really does kind of put guys in skates that's interesting to see it progress into that and see more a kind of americanized box i guess and that's like i always say that because every time i play in a tournament against a canadian team versus an american team you're prepping for two different things um if there's two different like i mean if you're going to play a canadian team you, you got to know you're going to get hit real hard don't get pinned against the boards and keep moving like whereas the american team it's like you're almost 
looking for guys to to dodge or to drag or to, to pop a move on you. There's very the two styles though are now it seems like there really is a blend coming to the NLL. And that's the the viewer perspective. That's what I can see. So it's interesting to hear that from an IQ perspective of you on the floor. But that I mean it totally makes a lot of sense. So and the big thing with us is you know a lot of stuff is there's always one more pass for Canadians. So it's when you're winding up, a lot of times you're for me, if someone's winding up, I'm thinking they're going to go back door or I think something's going to happen. There's going to be, whereas a lot of the Americans never used to look for that, but now because they're playing so much more with Canadians, you know, you can draw a double or you can make a guy miss. And now instead of looking to shoot or looking to, you know, like thinking they're going to switch hands and shoot down the alley, they're now looking for that guy in the back door because where their, their partner wouldn't have been there maybe for their U S box across team. Now you have a Canadian that's just sitting there with his stick open and they're starting to understand how the games, like you said, can mesh and how they can actually complement each other. Totally. So there really is the growth of the game that you're seeing right now with, you know, the PLL getting a lot more notoriety and the box across leagues crossing over a lot. You're seeing those skills, like everyone's getting better and better and it's really going to improve the game long-term. It's cool. It's good to hear. In terms of like the, you know, the future of the league, you know, you see a team like Vegas pop up, right? You see the NLL really trying to double down on the success that it's had in the last few years, right, of of, of being this professional sport. Are you excited to see where the NLL continues to progress? Oh, for sure. I mean, for me, growth of the sport that I love, you know, is is something that I feel really strongly about. I mean, every time you see someone in the airport, you know, you, you bump into someone and they say, oh, hey, what are you guys doing here? Like, we owe it to the league. We owe it to the people that came before us to give them that conversation and, and inform them of what we're doing here. You know, like a lot of us have a lot going on. Like we have other things going on because we can't be fully supported by the professional sport we play. I think down the road, I hope it gets there. I hope for everyone's sake that it gets there because that means that we've crossed that threshold into – you know, someone being able to dedicate their whole life and be the best lacrosse player they can be right, right now. You have to find balance. You have to, you know, be able to manage both, but the more we can try and grow those sports markets in the United States or in the places in Canada that are supporting them, the more we can get fans involved in either watching or coming to games, it's just going to benefit everybody and, and nothing else. It's going to grow the sport we love. So that to me is, you know, hoping that we can continue to grow to the right places and I know a lot of success has been found in those smaller markets in the States. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see it in like, you know, someone like JT Spelina going up to, you know, yeah. Orangeville. Right. I mean, I, I feel like that's only going to happen more. Um, and, you know, it's kind of part of the reason we've started this is just being able to, I, you know, there's, there's so much excitement around someone who sees box across for the first time. It's just getting them in front of it. Right and and helping them recognize hey there's there's something else out there besides football baseball you know the core sports in america so i i think there's a huge market for it and a lot of opportunity for box in the u.s and i, I you know i'm hoping that it only progresses um what i'd, I'd kind of like to ask from you is you know we've we've talked about kind of your reaction to um going to vancouver kind of going back home um what's kind of the excitement across you know, that particular team and program, you know, with all these moves happening, uh, you know, what's the buzz going on there? Is, is everyone really excited for the upcoming season? You know what? I think everybody's really excited for everyone being on the same page. Finally, like it's, you know, from the top down, like I said, I, I got a chance to speak with 
management, even above Miloski, Dax Aquilini. Um, you know, that's where the money is. That's where the people that run the whole, you know, the whole business, he seemed like such a genuine person. He seemed so committed to the goals that I think everybody on the team wants to work towards. So having everybody on the same page to, you know, grow the game at a grassroots level, build a fan base, you know, through, you know, inclusion and making sure that we can be out in the community and be positive role models. And then having free agents see the the management that they brought in to know they're for real. You know, the first signing was Ryan Dilks, the first one that dropped, you know, he's a guy, he's probably one of the top free agents that was on the board, you know, for myself hearing that there's, you know, other interest seeing, you know, how my views align with this organization, like everything's coming together and they're not just picking anybody off the street. Like this is strategically thought about, you know, who's going to be good for the community, who's going to be good for the dressing room, who's, you know, people that have been there, done that they've been to the finals, they've won championships, they've won MVPs. These guys are going to now, um, you know, be able to nurture the rookies we have like Owen Grant's coming. Bowering's already there. There's a lot of young talent that, you know, is going to benefit from having these role models around them that are, you know, going to show them how to prepare every game or how to, you know, block out the distractions and actually focus on, you know, what's important and what's best for the team. So I just think right now, more than any year that I've been a part of this organization, it's, there's a very positive buzz, but it's also people that won't be complacent. You didn't, they didn't bring in people that are going to be satisfied with, Oh, I got signed, you know, now I can coast. Like these are all people with great work ethics, great personalities, and they're all leaders. They were all captains or assistant captains on their respective teams. So you're bringing in a lot of the right people and you're building it around a very strong young core. So I think everybody's just excited to get the year going. I think we want to hit the floor and, and actually get to work. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, I We're definitely excited to support you guys and, and see it progress, you know, this season. I think there's been a lot of changes, you know, already this offseason in the NLL. So it's really going to be exciting to see how everything shakes out. Um, Tucker, do you have any more prolonged questions? I kind of was thinking we'd do just like some quick hitters at the end uh, to kind of wrap it up. What do you think? No, you you hit them with the quick hitters. I I, I asked my questions that I wanted to ask. I, great responses to Matt. Those are awesome. Well, you can you can jump in with your with your kind of quick hitters. But does that sound all right with you, Matt? Let's do it. All right. Um, I want to start with favorite teammate. One or two. You know, just quick. Why do they? Why are they a good teammate? You know, any time that you've been playing lacrosse, any team, who are those two guys? Yeah, one of the guys like really close to my heart is Chris Adorty. Um, him and I came in the league together. He was, you know, ragtag seventh rounder, like guy was coming out of Rutgers, not a lot of experience guy put the work in guy went to Nanaimo, you know, him and I ended up playing together for years. He got into the fire department and he kind of, you know, stepped away from lacrosse, but he goes down there as one of my all time favorite guys, favorite teammates. It's a huge beauty. Awesome. Um, would you rather score a goal in transition or have like a sweet like takeaway check? Um, considering only maybe have two goals a year, I love defense, love a good check. You know, if I can check them, hold them to scoring a goal, it means the same thing to me as scoring. Uh, favorite place that you've played in uh, arena wise, you know, either in the NLL or even outside of that. Uh, Colorado's pretty sweet and Calgary, like when they just because they get some of the best fans, like when Calgary or Colorado's bumping big venue, big jumbotron, like big league feel, 
Those ones are nice. What's your favorite thing to do right after the season ends that's non-lacrosse related? (laughs) Uh, You know what? For me, I think uh, anytime I can get away with the family, uh, wife has a cabin kind of up in the interior. We can go up there and just unplug and go fishing, head out on the quads and dirt bikes. I think that's a pretty cool time to, to get away from it. You got any talk? Uh, I was just going to say, I was going to ask one person you'd shout out kind of in thanks for your journey and, and some that's been impactful in your life. You know what? My, my parents, I think I went to Everett in 2010. I was, I hadn't graduated junior yet. I still had one more year of junior lacrosse and they were at every single one of my games. I think total in my career, they, they might've missed one or two of my home games. So my parents are always right up there for shout outs. And then right now my wife has been absolutely incredible. Um, you know, for me being a shift worker, for me traveling on the weekends, she's got the two kids, you know, I'm there so much during the week or when I can, but when I'm not, she's amazing. She picks up the slack and she's just so incredible to them. So I wouldn't be able to do this without her. Awesome. awesome. Warm weather or cold weather guy? You know what? I'm a little bit of a cold weather guy. I grew up on the mountains, running skiing. Hot, you got to get me in the shade. I'm going to melt. Absolutely. Well, that's everything I had. I think this has been an awesome conversation, Matt. We really appreciate you coming on. I know it was kind of last minute, uh, you know, trying to get the the boys on the the schedule here and whatnot. But really appreciate you coming on, giving your perspective. And and we're definitely excited to continue to support you and, you know, this this new kind of chapter in your career here. We always like to give the floor to our guests kind of at the end to, you know, you kind of already gave some shout outs, but just, you know, any words of wisdom or anything you kind of want to give to the fans by all means? Uh, you know what, for me, I'm just happy to be home, obviously to all the Vancouver Warriors fans. Um, they're going to make sure that we try and build this right and uh, bring a good product to the floor. And uh, we're going to have a great season. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully we have you on again. And I don't know, maybe Tucker and I can talk about trying to make it to a game this year. We're, we're, we're trying to put some games on our calendar. I'm waiting for it to come out. I've never been to an NLL game, so I'm trying to make it uh, to a few this year. So, Well, you got to make it happen. Nothing better. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for your time. See you guys. Good meeting you. Yeah, you too. See you.